Testing, testing, testing. Say your name. My name is Charles Booker. Okay. Here with the Trillbillies. That's right. <laughs> yo, yo. Tom. Okay. Yo, 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 yo. All right. Yeah, we're all good to go. So y'all had a good uh, drive in and everything. Oh, yeah, it was a smooth drive. Yeah, yeah. We had a, a few patches of traffic. You know, GPS struggled a little bit. Yeah. You'll yeah. have that out this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time to time. That's why I thought it best to come pick y'all up, because I didn't think y'all would find this. Well, one. my house isn't on, like, GPS or anything. You just be driving in circles. <laughs> yeah. All the time. Yeah, you, you have to have someone bring you up here. That's the magic of the place, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's it's beautiful, man. It's, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've been through the area, but this is my first time, like, stopping in. It's, yeah. I don't want to leave. Right. I saw you, uh, you posted it. You said you had family in McCracken County. Yeah, I mean, I, I got a lot of people down in McCracken, and actually the past um, year, and since I've been a legislator, I've been down there like four times. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we, I mean, we're taking this all over Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. Where, y'all, where y'all been today? Um, well, today was, this was our Just first here. stop. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, so everything else happens after this, and um, we'll hit some stops <laughs> on the way back to Louisville. It's a good then, place to start things out at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. our first job was get here on time. Yeah. That's right. Wait. Gosh, well, y'all are batting a thousand already. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, so where'd you grow up, Charles? Did you grow up in Louisville? Yeah, I grew up in Louisville. So I, I grew up in the west end of Louisville, which is like, um, it's different than the rest of the city. Yeah. Um, it's, I often tell folks, like, if, you know, all the assumptions of what people expect Kentucky to be when they judge us and don't know about us, um, it's communities like mine. Yeah. And like, as I was driving here, I was like, man, this looks like my neighborhood. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I could show you some pictures of just areas in my neighborhood look just like it. Yeah. yeah. And so what's, is there like a, a specific sort of industry or something in that neighborhood or there, there used to be. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in, you know, when tobacco, um, was the industry that kept a lot of families, um, their careers and, sustained a lot of folks in our area yeah. um, jobs have left and haven't come back and so 40203 where i live has been the poorest zip code in kentucky for a while yeah because of that so yeah it probably does look a lot like here then. Yeah, so yeah, well, yeah. that sounds like a place we know yeah um so i'm sure you're familiar with hal rogers you ever heard that name mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's our- been around for a little bit <laughs> 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 for a minute. he is our big sort of villain here you know he's been i think he's currently the longest serving republican in congress yeah um, yeah he's definitely up there for yeah. sure and he's yeah he's been the sort of force we've struggled with i guess here for a long time because he's sort of like ruled over eastern kentucky with this sort of like iron fist you know but uh he's brought several prisons here like he's a very like law and order type politician um but he is he's just so old you know and it's like we need we've got to have someone to replace him but we've just been the democrats haven't been able to present any kind of alternative to him yeah i mean i, I definitely think that's across the board um i feel like not only do we need new energy new leadership but we need folks that understand what our situations are what our struggles what our aspirations are that yeah. see us and don't just like talk at us or uh assume that they're making the best decision for us but we're not in the room um and and it's almost to me like we've had people in positions of leadership like uh the congressman and like Mitch McConnell that have sort of built success off of us staying in these um, places of, of struggle and yeah. poverty is generational and like we 
we've gone without. My parents went without. My grandparents went without. And uh, it, it it appears it's very clear to me that they're fine with that. Well, that's one thing that kind of struck me about your message early on when I was getting to, to kind of like learn about you a little bit as you tell the story about being seven years old and your family rationing insulin when you got yeah. diagnosed with diabetes. Why don't you speak on that a little bit? And also sort of connect that to your uh, support for like Medicare for All. Yeah, case. yeah. I appreciate you uh, bringing that up. And, you know, I never thought that I'd be sharing so much of my story, uh, but I'm grateful to do it because uh, – you know, of my work, not only as a legislator, but over the years, I was a director of Fish and Wildlife. Um, I've been able to meet so many folks who were like, thank you for speaking up, because yeah. I deal with that too. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a type one. You know, I don't have the pump yet, so I, I have long-acting, short-acting pen, and, you know, monthly, depending on what my insurance is doing, it could easily be $1,000 a month. Yeah. And, uh, you know, neither one of my parents graduated high school, had to take care of the family, um, my, my grandmother too. And so, you know, we never had money. And um, there were times where, you know, we'd have to choose between or my mom would choose between a utility or paying for my insulin. You know, so lights would be cut off sometimes. Sometimes water's off. You know, we never had heat or air. Yeah. You know, we and, and I know a lot of folks know what that's like, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, um, it was actually over Thanksgiving, uh, the first time that I had to ration uh, my insulin. I ran out. And uh, pharmacy was closed, couldn't get a refill, and we didn't have money, so we we were going to have to wait, you know, another week. Which was an incredibly dangerous thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, just a year ago, like I, I had uh, almost died, had diabetic ketoacidosis. Yeah. Um, it was another thing. I was on the campaign trail, and, you know, my this stuff costs a lot of money to do, and I ain't got a lot of money. Right. And because uh, my daughters take whatever I do have. Right. And I was trying to go a couple of days and uh man I almost I almost died man and so I know this is something that a lot of Kentuckians experience and um it was critical to me one I personally understand what it means but just from the understanding of you're a human being you're a person you matter your life matters I, I believe wholeheartedly that healthcare is a right yeah. and that nobody should die because they don't have money in their pocket I mean it's as simple as that to me um and and then I also understand that if we're healthy if we have what we need we can we can launch our businesses. We can uh, be gainfully employed. We can stay at our job because we're healthy enough to do it. You know, we can contribute in the community. We can do all these things that help, um, you know, our, our commonwealth thrive. Uh, so investing in people is the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, I guess you're probably our age, right? You're in your late 20s or early 30s? Man, I, I wish. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you look good. Hey, that's Man, my way. Thank you, my brother. <laughs> I, I just turned 35. Um, okay, well, you're, pretty, you're, you're yeah. just a hair bit older. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, it's crazy that uh, Mitch McConnell was elected like two weeks after I was born. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to share that because mm -hmm. it's, it's just crazy to think that someone could be in office that long and feel good about themselves when Kentucky is nearly at the bottom in essentially every measurable index that would say that we have a good quality of life. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's shameful. It's inexcusable. And, and nobody should feel good about that. Uh, certainly one of the most powerful people in the country. Right. Uh, well, it's like we were talking we were talking about this earlier. It's, um, it's almost like their continued success is dependent on the miseration of people rather than, you know, I don't know, uh, giving people the benefits that they need and, and helping people actually, like, you know, stay alive and, you know 
thrive and everything. What what it is is that they actually sort of reign over the state with this, I don't know, this politics of austerity and um, and so yeah. So like, what is your response to that? Like, what would you be offering in uh, sort of as an alternative? <laughs> yeah, not, I mean, not that the bar is that damn high. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> right. I mean, I, I'm, and that's why in my my launch video I, I said that I'm not the alternative to Mitch McConnell. We are. Um, what mm-hmm. I believe we need, what I know we need is a movement. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned austerity for me, and this is, you know, it's very populist. It, it's understanding that regular folks matter, that our voices matter and that we need to stand up, take our power back. Um, and so that's why this statewide tour is so important to me. Um, that's why this exploratory and saying that from the jump, I want to hear your voice. I'm not doing this without you because we get, we're an afterthought. We get treated like an afterthought that has to stop. And so I'm offering my story. I'm offering what um, I've seen, which is Kentuckians from corner to corner that work hard. You know, don't ask for handouts. Just bust their butts every day to survive, take care of their families. Um, and in spite of folks like McConnell and Rogers, that, and I say it's like exploiting. It's exploiting yeah. us. Um, they extract from us our labor, our resources. Yeah. Um, rob and lie to us. And, and at this point, at this stage, they don't even hide it. Yeah. It's, it's it's the mask. Yeah, right. it's like well, we're Completely gonna off. we're gonna tell you to your face in the camera that we don't care about you, and ain't right. nothing you can do about it. Well, my my response is we can do a whole lot about it. Yeah, you know, and I I think that um at what you're seeing all across Kentucky is that people are ready. Um, I I think uh, Trump helped a lot with that. To be honest with you, um, I think that he spoke to a lot of people that have been feeling left out and have felt hurt for a long time. Um, and identify the reality that the system is broken. It is broken. Um, but then on the back end of that, he was screwing folks. Yeah. And lying to people and, and sort of using our pain against us. And I think you're seeing a lot of people say, wait a minute, this stuff ain't right. And I think that's why Matt Bevin's gone. Yeah. You know, because it was bigger than party. It, that, that was that was a bipartisan statement. Well, let me do a little aside here because it's yeah. one thing that we've been doing sort of the last couple of weeks is trying to make sense of that. Yeah, victory and how that swung, particularly like how, like even people in Northern Kentucky, which is typically strong Republican, went against Bevin. What's your what, What's your take of the the gubernatorial election? I I think if you're that much of an asshole, <laughs> you you get what's coming to you. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I think when it comes to politics, um, and I say this on on Democrat side that what we haven't seen in a long time is folks that have the courage to speak the truth. And to sit down with people from different parts of Kentucky that may see things differently and treat them like human beings. Um, I know in my neighborhood, we get that all the time. People assume that we're a certain type of way, never listen to us, um, discount us. And, and folks are tired of that. So they're tired of the BS. And um, I think what what it showed with Bevin in particular is that, you know, people are like, man, we don't want to get treated like that no more. Yeah. And I think the reason that you didn't see it translating some of the other races is that he he made such a point to degrade everybody yeah <laughs> such a, so a he made gas he made it so obvious All right um but i think it did help expose that you know if we had folks that had the courage to speak truth and, and treat people like you love them treat them like they matter uh that they'll respond to it um because i mean at the end of the day i think we all just want to we want to live our lives we don't want the government robbing us uh, are treating us like criminals and um, we want to feel like our government is accountable to us because we're paying for the damn thing right 
you know and i so i got a lot of hope out of that but i also was like man we got a lot of work to do yeah Yeah. well so i guess there's some similarities between i guess like the governor's race and a senate race in the sense that you're going after the same electorate but you're doing two different jobs um so you know there is things you could do as a governor to help people um, you know, what would you do in the Senate other than Medicare for all? You talked about the Green New Deal, like where we live, um, you know, coal mining is not as big of an issue as it once was, but it's still this thing where you have to sort of patch together some sort of coalition to yeah. talk about it in a productive way. Yeah. Um, wh- what's your take on the Green New Deal? Why, why do you support it and what do we need it? Yeah, I, I appreciate you asking that question because like for me, like before you have a conversation on any issue. You got to know who you're talking to. And um, that's why a lot in my message, I'm saying we got to stand together and fight back because um, we're done being disrespected. And so what you've seen, particularly at the national level, with conversations like the Green New Deal, is there's a lot of back and forth and we not in the room. It's like, man, you're talking about us. Right. I know you are. Uh, and you're assuming some things about us, but we not in the room. Um and so I, I want to take issues like that head on because we got to break through the politics. Yeah. And and for me, first and foremost, it's about respecting folks and their livelihood and knowing that this isn't about um, us, you know, doing harmful things to the environment and being reckless with our futures. These are folks' livelihoods. Um, this is what they do to take care of their families. And, and for a long time, it has been what kept the lights on for our Commonwealth. And we know those jobs are leaving. But what you don't do is come in and say, hey, I got the solution. Right. I'm not going to listen to you. I don't need to hear what you have to think. If you don't agree, you're terrible. I got the solution. You can't do that. Um, and it doesn't matter what the issue is. If you come at folks and prepare to disrespect them like that, you're not going to build support. And I think you're right. You have to build a coalition. And for me, on an issue like the Green New Deal, is telling my story and sharing why I even want to talk about it. Yeah. It's like in, uh, in my community, in West End, Louisville, like there's – um, because of, we had a lot of chemical plants, there's a part of the city called Rubber Town. Right, yeah, Rubber Town. I hear like yeah. that's always sort of like when people are talking about like environmental racism, they point to Rubber Town as kind of ground zero for it, it a lot ha- of the horrible things. That's and you know it's funny growing up, you don't think anything about it. Yeah, you know, like if you're in that part of town, like you just hold your nose. You don't right. even think anything about Same it. Same thing here when we see orange streams or whatever. Yeah. It's just kind of gets <laughs> it's, normalized. It's just sort of what it point. is. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. if the water don't look quite right. It's supposed to be that way, yeah. right? Um, Which is absurd when you yeah. think <laughs> it's, it's completely yeah. absurd. It's, it's criminal, yeah, um, and it's not right. And, and for folks who, you know, are just trying to do good, just trying to take care of their families, and this is the only opportunity they have. It's the only opportunity their parents had, only opportunity their grandparents had. You got to acknowledge that, and you got to respect that. Um, and I think when you do, like I was down in Harlan County, I was talking to some of the miners on the tracks when they were protesting Black Jewel. Yeah. Um, and I, I share this is that um, when I walked up, had a couple miners were like, man, Charles, I appreciate you fighting for solar energy because we'd love to do something else because we knew these jobs were leaving. Yeah. yeah. But this is all we got, you yeah. know, and I think understanding that and saying, well, let's do this thing together. Yeah. Um, so let's let's build our own Green New Deal. Let's Let's take this thing on. And this is about our future. I've seen it. Throughout history, I know it's possible. Uh, we just have to have people with the courage to to have tough conversations and uh, and meet people where they at. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you said that because that like that is not lost on these guys. You know, yeah. ever since 2016, you've seen this never-ending stream of uh, 
you know, the beleaguered coal miner is, you know, betting big on Trump because Trump's going to bring coal back and all that stuff. And that's just what people think. It's just Eastern Kentucky is just full of these guys that are just like, you know, diehard, you know, uh, leaning into that. Well, that's, that's the story. Not, yeah, yeah, that's the story of the Black Jewel. The whole scenario, really, yeah. is an industry in decline. You know what I mean? It's right. It was this, it was almost sort of like a riot over scarcity than it was a sort of traditional labor strike or something. And so when you look at it from that angle, that really shows the, the necessity of a Green New Deal. Yeah. Um, because, I don't know, you, fossil, we're running out of fossil fuels in this state anyways. Yeah. Um, but not more than that, it's killing us. Right. And it's killing the globe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's that. So, and, I, and I think people are ready. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, those, those miners were out there with their family. Uh, kids were on the track. Yeah. You know, as I was sitting with them. And... You know, for them, it wasn't about politics. You know, it's like, man, this is, this is what we got. And so, you know, your big company, you know, yeah. And, and the, broader, the broader conversation is about, well, how are we getting screwed by these big corporations, first of all? But, you know, for folks that are just trying to survive, they, they're they not trying to analyze all that. What they're seeing is their job shutting down, yeah, leaving them high and dry, and they trying to take this last bit of coal out and say, screw you. And so they're like, well, no, nah, we're going to stand on the tracks and block it. Right. If you think you're going to rob us. And so that's the opportunity because it doesn't have to be about politics when folks realize this is touching them personally. And if we speak to that and then say, well, let's do this thing together, then I, I believe wholeheartedly we can build a movement. Um, and then Mitch McConnell being gone is just a, yeah, you know, it's just icing on the cake. A, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Those guys hate Mitch McConnell. Like, a lot of people in <laughs> yes, East Kentucky. Yes, it's a consensus, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, folks can't stand him. No, they really so, can't. Uh, so this guy's polling at 18% or something like that. It's just That's, something abysmal. It's probably generous, too. And Yeah. <laughs> and he's been in power for 40 years. Like, let, let's talk about that for a second. Like, what's the calculus that keeps a guy like Mitch McConnell in power? Like, we know we have voter disenfranchisement huge in Kentucky, particularly yeah. with felons voting rights and all that kind of stuff but what else is at play that you can see that sort of keeps the, just the worst but also just the most deeply unpopular people in power yeah i think if you make people believe that there's no hope and that this is all there is um then you have a great chance of just keeping keeping power because uh, we haven't realized that we should be taking it back and I think because he's been in so long and he has strategically put himself in a lot of institutions, uh, you know, so he's used money over the years, not necessarily to help make us any healthier or have uh, gainful lives, be able to own, stay in business, keep our jobs. But he's been able to do these projects over the years to weave himself into like the infrastructure. Yeah. So like in in our in Louisville, for instance, you know, his, his name's all over U of L. Yeah. And he, so he's been able to do that across Kentucky. And so a lot of this for me is like we've almost been like the the sleeping giant, and and this this little weak guy has been able to take advantage of keeping us thinking that he has all the power, and not us. Yeah. And you know I watched the movie Three Hundred. Know how much you all follow that with the Spartans? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And you know how they uh, Leonidas threw the spear, uh-huh. and folks didn't think that uh, the God King could bleed. Yeah. And once that nose ring came out and he started bleeding, they're like, oh, oh we got yeah, something. Yeah, you got something. Yeah, and so I think for me, even just saying that I'm exploring this was like, wait a minute, y'all. We can do this. 
Man. We can really do this. And, and like I said, and I think this is something that um, folks, regardless of what their party, where they're from, how much money they got in their pocket, you know, what they look like are going to be able to rally around because they'll know it's for them. Yeah. Well, that brings us to a good sort of next point, which is, so we got Mitch and we sort of know the problems with Mitch. But the next sort of, uh, this is a thing that we spend a lot of time talking about on the show, is the Kentucky Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. So, like, what differentiates you, I guess, from McGrath? Because we, we aren't big fans of McGrath, as anybody can tell you. But um, you are we the understand su- you're running for office. You can be a little more uh, <laughs> right. ecumenical. You're in a, you're in a race yeah. with it, though, you know. And so it's like, what, what, what differentiates you from her um, in the sense of, like, why are you a better choice than she is? Yeah, well, you know, if if you've uh, followed me at all in the state legislature, uh, you can sort of get the impression of what type of energy and why I'm stepping up. And I've been very transparent um, how I show up. I tell my story. You know, I, I don't hold back. Um, I can't afford to BS because we dying. So, you know, for me, I think what makes me uh, unique and not even in just this race, but in particular um one as a young black man that is, you know, worked across Kentucky um, and has built these types of relationships where I can stand up and speak on issues like structural racism, um, but also make it clear that, man, I love you. No matter where you're from, what you believe, I got your back. That type of, you know, just honest uh, moral clarity on who we are as Kentuckians yeah. um, is something that I personally feel has been missing uh, for a long time, certainly, you know, most of my lifetime. And I think on the Democratic Party side, you know, a lot of folks are pissed off because they feel like, well, we're, we're playing games or we're just. So we talked about how Rogers and, and McConnell, you know, have stacked power up for so long. And, you know, it's, it's about big money to them. And it's like we have started playing by that playbook and thinking that the only way you change things is to get a lot of big outside money and just tell people what you think they want to hear. And folks are tired of that. Yeah, I mean, we know we know BS from, you know, from up the hill, man. Like right. we look, keep that over there. <laughs> don't 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 do that. Uh, we can't afford it anymore. And you know, I, I think about. Um, I mentioned my story of nearly dying, but you know, past couple of years, I've had uh, family members that have been murdered. Um, two this year, and you know, out for me, it's like, well, we can't afford to wait. Yeah, we can't afford to just let the political power to be just finally decide to care about us. Yeah. And uh, so for me, it's not really about what's wrong with anyone else that could consider running for this. It's really about um, who can best represent um, the voices of Kentuckians. And um, I'm humbled by the journey I've been on. I'm humbled to be in the state legislature. I'm, I'm humbled as hell to have been a director at Fish and Wildlife. I'm, all these different things I've been able to do and see how brilliant Kentuckians are, I feel like it gives me a responsibility. And so that's why I considered this. And it, it wasn't really a slight to anyone else, but just saying that, man, this is our time. Yeah. And we can't play the games anymore. Yeah. That's a good answer. Basically what you're saying is what you said in the the video. I mean, it's it's us, not me. And I think that that's a unique message in this race that I've seen. You know, I haven't seen that from any of the other candidates. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about that video because yeah. I've had, I've even had like diehard Amy McGrath people be really impressed by that when you wrote that out. How'd that come together? Man, I when I watch it now, it's like wow. Um, and it really is just me telling my story. You know, you see my mom, my 
my girls, my wife's in the video. Um, this has really been, and I, I say humbled is the word I have, but it's been my work over the past like 10 years. I've been using uh, my testimony, my story, both my parents are ministers, um, to shed light on things that a lot of folks are weighed down by that don't feel like their voice matters. Uh, that's why I went into law, it's, and it's why I started working in government. Because I was like, man, you know, y'all make decisions about us, but you don't hear us, you know. Yeah. And and so the video was really trying to capture the energy of, I need you to understand, like for this to even make sense, because we know how much money he has, we know how much power it in terms of control over like the institutions. Um, that he has that the only way that will change is if we collectively as Kentuckians realize that we can do it together. And uh, so I wanted that message to like drive home. And, um, you know, I I mentioned uh, how my mom would tell me that we're more than conquerors, you know, just growing up in church. And, no, we're church boys. Too. Yeah, no, you know, just know. fake know. the size of a mustard seed, yeah. you know. So it, it, was, it was incredible to see that come together in, in the video in such a powerful way. And um, I'll tell you, I feel like I know this is bigger than me. I think it's bigger than any one person. And I'm I'm grateful to be a part of it. And it doesn't really matter for me what position I'm in. I, we need to win this seat. But um, this is my life's work. You know, this fight, the stories I tell, like, it's, it's no game. And I think people can tell. And they're like, thank goodness. we are, I appreciate that. So even if we don't agree on all the facts on the policy, we know you got our back. And, and, and we'll work with you. Yeah. Well, the conditions are ripe, uh, as you were pointing out earlier, McConnell's approval ratings. But another thing people should keep in mind going into this is that this is the first time since 2008 that McConnell will be on a presidential ballot. Yeah, and so particularly, so yeah, vulnerable. he he's particularly vulnerable. Yeah. I feel like because um, a lot has changed in was eleven years. <laughs> Man, it's, it's, it feels like dog years. It's hard. To, it really does. That's right. That's yeah. That's a Senate. Uh, one Senate term is a dog years long. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's important to keep in mind that he really is vulnerable in some ways, and so um, I like I like the sort of distinction though between you have this guy who um, is just this as you, I think as you pointed out in the video since he's taken office he's become like a millionaire. Yeah, um, his wife is a very powerful person too. Mm-hmm. Um, she used to run IMSHA, I believe, or she used to run the Department of Labor, Labor, right, yeah. under George Bush. Yep. Um, just, you know, directly responsible for all kinds of environmental harm here in Eastern Kentucky, and particularly Martin County. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he's he's not very popular around here. Um, but but then we have you, who you know, as you've shown, I mean, you you're you've come close to death <laughs> because, <laughs> Multiple I, times. I, I highly doubt McConnell has had any kind of scarcity or, or, or uh, I don't know privation in his life you know what I mean any kind of um, need or want or anything like that yeah and, and so um, so I, I don't know I just think it's important to draw that distinction because as you were saying like when you're talking to poor and working people they know that you're for real you know what I mean or then know when you're just sort of selling them a bag of goods. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's it's good, you know, the answer you were given earlier, like this, your testimony and what you know what it's like uh, is, is, is good, I think, uh, a good message to keep running on. 
For yeah. Sure. Well, I promise I will. That's, <laughs> that's my words. All I got. And, and, and like the, the listening to it, why it's so important is that I'm actually going to listen. Yeah. And what I want to do with this process, like we started yesterday in Covington, we're going to do it, uh, do it here. And, um, we're going to be crisscrossing Kentucky the next three weeks is really elevate the voices of the folks that have been largely ignored. And we're going to build our platform off of that. So I'm not coming in saying, Hey, I got all the answers. Let me tell you why you need to follow me. I'm coming in saying, what do you want to see happen? And let's build our platform off of that. Yeah. Um, and it, it just really just comes from like organizing in the community. When you're trying to build coalitions, you got to build relationships. And, um, I think that contrast is going to be incredible um, with someone that has no interest in remotely hearing what we think in Kentucky. Right. I mean, whether he could even find it on the map, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he couldn't. Uh, what was the vid- that Remember that video that came out, like, I guess it was in the 90s, where he was talking about, like, campaigning in Kentucky and how he gets nothing out of it, McConnell? Yeah. I forget yeah. what it was now. I mean, he's been running on more or less the same thing for 20 20- 30 years at this point yeah. and it's just the politics and nihilism and i think that that's uh your your sort of uh more hopeful thing is a good contrast to that because it's just dark you yeah. know McConnell's is just dark yeah it is man it's so it's like a balance of you got to realize it's bigger than him but you also got to fight back and yeah. i think that's what you know a lot of us have been pissed off about it's like it doesn't feel like we're fighting anymore we're just letting this stuff happen and um you know we're gonna fight yeah, this is you know that's that's what I, I've I learned how to survive, um, and you know it, it takes someone that has the courage to take a stand and fight back, but to know why you're fighting. Yeah. So I want to make it clear that I'm fighting back because I love you. Yeah. Because it's my family. Like this right. is personal to me. Um, and then while we lighten them up, uh, we're also making it clear that man, it's not even really about you. Like you've been hurting us for too long. But the reason you got to go is because we need more. Right. We got we deserve more. We deserve to be protected and and uh, secure and have a government that's not robbing us anymore. We deserve that. And that to me, I think is the big part because it's bigger than any one office. Like in as far as like local leadership, state level leadership, we need folks in those offices that see this that that have those types of um, understanding about how important we are. And so I'm hoping that this can spark that. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of stake in this one. I mean, yeah. let's make no mistake about it. I mean, Mitch McConnell's the only reason Republican policies have any purchase. Right. You're talking about a guy that's padded out the judiciary for generations. Yeah. So we're talking about, like, when you beat Mitch McConnell is just the start of this. Yeah. There's a lot to undo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll, first of all, we'll be doing, like, the whole nation uh, a solid by this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of there's generational work. And that's why I try to make it clear that you can't just tear him down. Like, that's not enough. Yeah. Uh, we need people to realize the urgency of this is really about us because once he's gone, yeah, we got a whole lot of building to do. Um, but we can do it, though. Yeah. You know? That's a good uh, – and, I, you know, I hate to go back to d- differentiation, but that's a good thing because – if you look at some of the other campaigns, it's like we just want to ditch Mitch. Like that's the end goal. And what you're saying is that like that's just as you're as you're saying, it's just the icing on the top. Once you actually get in there, we we have so much work to do. Things have gotten so bad. Yeah. That um it's good to actually see someone with a vision. Yeah. So so I mean so I mean, I don't know, and we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but like do you think what you're doing links up with 
what other uh, people are doing in other um, races around the country? Like, do you see similarities between your campaign and maybe like Bernie's or, or AOC or something like that? I mean, I what I think is like this, um, and, and what I'm speaking of is very specific to Kentucky, yeah. just from, you know, what I've seen growing up and, and the people that I've been paying attention to that I've been clearly we've been ignored is that this type of energy is something you're seeing across the country. That gives me hope, too, because it's, you know, a lot of the challenges we face here in terms of, like, so many of our families are suffering, so many folks are weighed down by poverty and lack of access, that that's not just happening in Kentucky. And people are pissed off all over the place. And so, I mean, you do see it in in, in a campaign like Bernie's. I, I've seen it even in folks that, you know, may not support those same policy positions that he would, they're talking this type of language. Yeah. And that's important too, because I, I think across the board, people are starting to realize that, all right, we, we can't just play them like we used to. Right. Um, and, and that goes across party lines too. I, so I'm, I'm hopeful. I mean, we, like I said, we got a whole lot of work to do. Um, but I think I can do my part, uh, for sure. And then getting rid of him would be a, a big deed in that in that work <laughs> yeah to say, to say the least <laughs> well um well then that brings us to the question of like um mitch has got a lot of resources uh if people wanted to plug resources into your campaign how would they do it yeah man i first of all i want to reiterate that this won't happen without kentucky like right. without us like um this is not just me doing it i don't have a lot of money in my pocket yeah. Be clear about that. I'm still trying to keep the lights on as we speak. <laughs> um, but if you believe in this moment and you're like, man, let's take this stand, uh, you can go to bookerforkentucky.com um, to sign up to uh, help us with our events, with our listening tour. I have folks that hit me up on social media like, hey, Charles, I want to do an event if you come here. So we coming, you know, and so anyone that wants to help us get this word out. Um, but then also if you want to contribute so we can physically get across the Commonwealth, it, you know, just from end to end. You taking you gonna lose a whole day, you know? right? The sun up to sundown. We putting these these mouths in, and right. so um, if you want to contribute, you can do it there as well. Yeah. Well, I got one more question before we cut you loose, Charles. You said you were the director at Fish and Wildlife mm-hmm. for a while. Do we have mountain lions in Eastern Kentucky, or is that just sort of a, <laughs> something all these old liars say? It's you know, it's always like you see a shadow, and you like, I think I might have seen one. So we would we would have conversations when we got spottings. Uh, so, what I'll say is just let me know if you do see one. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, because we get the same conversation down in Louisville, too. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, What's it, the animal that everybody says down there? It, it becomes a thing. Well, I mean, so you, mountain lions. Yeah. We, yeah. Um, we get that. Um, it's always fun. I, I love when someone calls in when they've spotted an elk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, well, let me. So you, yeah, let me know if you see one. We'll. The folks they'll they'll help you out. We'll definitely <laughs> we'll good. definitely keep an eye out for you. But uh yeah, this is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for stopping by, Charles. We really appreciate it. Yeah, man, if absolutely. You, if you need a mascot for your campaign, a mountain lion would be a, <laughs> <laughs> would be a good one. I think it would <laughs> Put be Terrence in a mountain lion yeah. set. Yeah, I yeah. think it would be. Well, thanks for stopping by and uh I hope you enjoyed the the cabin that is now famous, CNN famous. Did you see us on CNN? <laughs> I heard, I heard about it, so I'm I'm a part of history right now. Man, you so are. You're the first person since that ran to sit in that chair. Yeah, yeah. The green besides chair. me. But. That's right. <laughs> yeah, besides Tom or 
former city councilman here. That's right. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Charles, and um, we'll see you out there, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank All you right. both.